Welcome back, everybody, to another week of the European Tour Picks and Bets. This is Skylar Hoke here with Tom Jacobs, and this is a special one, folks, because for the first time of the 2021 season, we have had top 20s, we have had top 10s, we've had the each ways hit. But John Catlin came through for us last week, 71 winner, a roller coaster of a playoff, I would say, where he saved himself a few times. Um, you know, Kiefer made some long birdies to stay alive. And then it was a splash and then another splash and one more splash on the fifth playoff hole. John Catlin got in for the victory. So it's a nice Monday to kick that off. Um, Tom, how are you doing today? I'm glad that you got the win because uh, <laughs> my picks were dreadful last week. And uh, as it has been for a lot of this year, you've been carrying me. And uh, not only did John Catlin win, but Austin Batista as well is in seventh place. So uh, you were bang on the money last week. So all I would say to everybody watching out there is to listen to Sky and, uh, yeah, just ignore me this week. And uh, Well, we'll, we'll see. Hey, we're a team. We ride or die. And, you know, this was another fun week we've had. Um, and again, as we continue to go on, please make sure you rate, review, subscribe to us here on YouTube for the Mayo Media Network. Again, we're delivering every single week for the European tour. Um, and now we're in a little three week, what, the Grand Canaria Islands swing for Spain, three weeks in a row, mixing it up here. Um, this is the first event. Um, I guess they played the 2007 Spanish PGA championship at this course, but for the grand Canaria lopes and open at mellow nearness golf club. So this course this week is a mere 6,500 yards. So it's going to be a different test of golf. The first nine holes look to be pretty inland, some mountainous. Um, the Island itself is at high elevation, but this is really on the coast. So the first nine holes will be inland. The second nine look absolutely stunning being on the coast. Um, the winds look okay for the week, but you know how coastal tracks go. Um, and those things can pick up. There's going to be some large scores in play on those closing holes. So really excited, you know, a new week brings, you know, guessing work into it. Um, is there anything that you're kind of correlating to these courses, Tom? Yeah. I mean, it certainly looks like it's going to be a tailored two nines. I think the front nine is going to be I don't think it's going to be challenging. I think it's, you know, it's a resort golf course, right? So set up a high handicap as anyway. So it's going to be, you know, we, we could be shooting low 60s, you know, in, in rounds this week. But I think that the back nine is certainly going to test a few. I think there's plenty of water in play, as we know. Um, and, and the winds that, that are coming in, I mean, I just think of the Iran Open, I think in the Mauritius Open, uh, both of those. Um, you've got Saudi and Qatar with the Paspalum Greens as well. Um, so I think those are good reference points. I think that it's hard because the designer of the golf course has designed uh, the London Club and he's also designed Gary Player Country Club, which I think you'll come to uh, later on, which are just completely different tests to this. But, you know, if there is any any links, it could just be, we see it all the time, especially in the PJ Tour, you know, Pete Dial design a course, they look nothing like one another. There'll just be subtle sort of hints that players like to see. Um so, yeah, I think that anyone has forms on, on these uh, golf courses would certainly uh, stand out to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, I think the guesswork comes into play and that's where hopefully you land on it or you take a little piecemeal and one guy from each type of formula. Um, and hopefully that lands on the specific one you are looking for. Um, and we do see a, I think, a decently stronger field. Um, you know, a few more guys up top. We now have Rosner playing this week, Sullivan 
uh, Rafa Cabrera Bayo, Zanati, um, and Callum Hill have all joined that top group um, that we had last week. Tom Dietry did not side, decide to show up this week after he left himself hanging with an 82 on Sunday, uh, which included a couple par three blowups. So Dietry off this week. But you mentioned some uh, course comp comparisons right off the top. I believe there's a two-time winner, one at each of those tracks that both of us are starting our card off with that. Tom, I'll kick it to you to sell us on Kurt Kitayama. Yeah, I mean, look, he's won the Amman Open. He's won the Russia Open was his first win. Uh, played well in Saudi Arabia, played well in Qatar. Um, there's nothing really else that needs to be said. I think that the scoring is going to be right in his wheelhouse. I think that he's a guy who's just in John Catman for the third time European Tour. I think that he's going to go on and win uh, more titles yet. Um, the, the price is slightly shorter than what maybe you'd hope, but you know it was kind of between him and Sam Horsfield. I think it's a great course for Sam Horsfield as well. I think this kind of resort course, grip it and rip it, not worry about the rough, is, is perfect for both of their games. I just think that in terms of the, the exposure on the back nine, I just think the Kitsuyama has a slight edge and he's also a slightly deeper odds as well. So that was why I went there instead of the Sam Horsfield. I just think he's got the great game for it. Um, and can scramble if he needs to in the winds. Yep. And, and I'm in, uh, you know, lockstep with you on that. I think you think of those two wins, you think of what he's done in those type of conditions. If they get wicked on the back nine, his tee to green game right now is just spectacular. Three weeks in a row, which uh, stopped for the second leg of the Kenya, the three events prior to that, he was either first or second in tee to green. Then somehow he missed the cut for the second leg in Kenya, kind of out of nowhere as basically the favorite in that event. And then he bounced back last week, you know, with another strong performance. His irons weren't as sharp, but his around the green game led the field. So overall, I think, again, his TD Green game in, in a great spot. And I'm more than okay with a 28. He was 25s in some spots. Again, you know, these fields potentially are stronger, but are they stronger with the best of the best of the European tour? No, because those guys are still kind of stuck playing the, the PGA events right now. So, I mean, when Rosner is 11 to one and Rosner, you know, now a two-time winner uh, or no, a yeah, two-time winner now after he broke our hearts. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I, I still think there's so much opportunity that I'm not looking at these guys, even Catlin, not saying, man, am I scared of him as I tee it up for betting anybody deeper than that? I think they're like terrific players, um, but it's nothing that I'm, you know, scared to attack in the outright market. So Kiziyama starts it off. I think there's guys there. You know, you've got Andy Sullivan who's very volatile. You've got Matthias Schwab that's unproven, um, certainly in the mix. You've got, you know, uh, as I said before, Horsfield was a guy I was worried about. Cabrera Bello has been, you know, not at his best. He's a tournament host that always has problems. Callum Hill is one that you mentioned there that I think that is trending in the right direction. He was kind of hard to leave out, but I think that. Generally speaking, I think Kitsuyama would still be the pick of the bunch for me there. Catlin, uh, like I said to you last week, I think he needs it to be tough. And, and obviously you were right in terms of picking that golf course. I thought he was going to play a little bit easier than he did. Um, and, and that's what he needs, right? I don't think he needs this 28 under 25 underscoring test. And, and that's what that's the only reason I wouldn't like Catlin again, because I think he's still underrated in the market in terms of his win equity. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there's, there's guys that we're going to go on to now that are beyond kind of in the 50s and 60s ranges that I just think are just, just as likely to win. Yeah, and I, I can't wait for Catlin to make some major debuts. If we see Kiowa play hard, if you see Tori play very difficult, you know, hopefully he could sneak into like maybe a top 20 finish. I'm excited for him. But the next golfer I'm going to is one um, still below 50. I'm actually going to have a 
pair here where um, this golfer progressively got better each day last week. He's progressively gotten better, you know, his entire career as he's a young, you know, South African left-hander. Garrick Higgo is somebody that we have kept our eyes on closely for, you know, as much as his pro career really has been, you know, winning in Portugal early on to his career, winning on the Sunshine Tour at the Gary Player Country Club that you referenced earlier. Um, He's just somebody when it comes to just, I think, overall talents out there. You know, he is quite the ball striker. If you watched a Sunday at all, um, you know, the strokes gained that we didn't have the laser data that, you know, normally about three, six, five offers to go shot by shot. But, you know, we had about half the field submitting their stats afterwards. And, you know, if you just watched, he was in position and just couldn't really put it that great on Sunday. You know, he had like a birdie on hole 10, which was lighting people up. Um, you know, I just thought he really hung hard around there. And to get the 40s on him, I thought is outstanding. Standing. So I'm in on Higo. And then, I mean, I don't have to go into the deepest of descriptions on the next bet. You know where it's coming. The odds are getting shorter though, Tom. I don't love it. I prefer when he's triple digits coming off, maybe a couple missed cuts and everyone's forgot about Guido, but now they're kind of hanging these 45s and we need them to get in the mix again. So, um, you know, you mentioned the Omen open. If you think about when Sammy Valamaki won that year, actually Guido was a little bit in that race. Uh, you forget about it with the stone Valamaki playoff, but, but Guido, uh, you know, played quite well there. He was pretty strong again, you know, the first leg of Kenya, the second leg, you know, did not go his way. Um, but I, I just, you know, still 45 to one, I'm okay with it. And, you know, he can take it deep. We know he has done it many of times. So I'm in that pair, uh, to keep going before we are also in agreement on our next golfer in the 60s. So I'll let you talk about this one. Yeah. And just before we went from Guido as well, as he played well, didn't he in Saudi earlier in the year when we talked about him, had the third round 74 that kind of stopped him in his tracks. But if that fast part of the grass thing does come to the fore again as well. And, and also, strangely, Valderrama comes up an awful lot. You know, it's been a Spanish course and, and things like that. Completely different test, of course. But, uh, you know, he's got, the, he's got the things in the right areas. But uh, Kawamura is our next pick. Masahiro Kawamura. Um, I just think that, again, if you're talking about correlative form, then, you know, what he's done um in mauritius he's, he's just phenomenal really um he's just been absolutely superb there he's got two uh, two top fives and tied 22nd finish and when he was tied 22nd that year as well he was second after 36 holes um so he you know he really was just superb and he just seems to turn up at these kind of events he likes a bit of wind he likes a test um I think he can go low scoring. We, we talked about the, oh, we haven't talked about the Aphrodite Hills last year, the, the Cypress Resort. Um, similar kind of test, I guess, in terms of it's built for the high handicap player, the, the tourist. Um, and, and he comes second in that showdown event to Bob McIntyre, um, which people will forget about because Bob obviously is a very popular player and, and Callum Moore isn't. Um, so, yeah, I think that he's got all the tools. I think that he was a decent price. I think he was 60 to 1. Um, and look, this, again, I think that maybe he needs to get more experience of, of winning although he's slightly older um but you can certainly pay off that each way without a problem at all 
Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. And sneaky enough, he's a small guy, but his off the tee game has been really strong for quite an extended period of time. He went through a stretch where he could not putt at all. Um, that around the green game was really, really good. Off the tee was good, yet his putter was ice cold. He's kind of re- revamped that um, and uh, just kind of a consistent track of uh, ball striking for about three events in a row where he's gained a little bit over a stroke and a half per round. Uh, and that to me is just you know, a continued trend of somebody I want to, you know, back in this type of event. And you were exactly right. I mean, again, that showdown format was, you know, not the uh, prototypical type. So for him to finish second, you know, Bob needed to really take it deep there late to win that event, um, you know, with a birdie, I think he like stuck it on 16 or 17 on that par three to put it away uh, when it was very, very close. So yeah, Kawamura checks a lot of boxes. Um, the next one for me that I think um, also is trending in the sense of iron play. Um, it's a golfer who actually, you know, if you think about what John Catlin did, you know, Catlin's form wasn't screaming, you know, victory. It was 42nd, 28th miscut. But what had really been trending for him was irons. Even in that last leg, he missed when he missed the cut in Kenya, his irons were very, very strong. Um, we were out on that week. We, you know, I stuck with it and, you know, that kind of paid off. And there's another golfer who had hundred to one, I think fits that same trend. He went 19th, 12th and 10th in three straight events. And then he missed the cut last week, but despite missing the cut, Nino Bertazio led the field in strokes gained approach gaining actually over three strokes per round. in that short window is off. The tee wasn't great. There was some water last week. So potentially maybe put one or two in the water putter wasn't cooperating, but Bertazio's irons have been incredible for a month now. So to kind of get him off of that miscut, um, you know, I'm not really working off course correlation for him. It's just matter of fact, irons trending, even with the miscut. I love that triple digits. I will be on Nino. Uh, also kind of like the fact that he's played well in Portugal in the past, which is again, it's not a resort course, but it's kind of low scoring affair, mm-hmm. which is going to be this type of thing. Uh, he's played well in Qatar, albeit and it's like, of course, what we've been talking about. Um, and and just you know Valderrama came up again you know the same with Karamora, Tyler Mish, and, and Patasha was eleventh. You know it can only help playing those kind of tests. Um, you know you look at that front line; it's not there's no rough to worry about. You get bad angle, you're behind a tree or whatever. People are going to very much look at it and go, "There's no rough," but there is going to be tests there. You know, they wouldn't host a tournament if there wasn't. Um, and it, and again, he's a guy that you think can play well in the high winds. You know. He's, Scottish Open is his best finish in terms yep. of OWGR. Um, so, yeah, I, I like it. He's played well in the uh, the PGA Championship on Wentworth. So, yeah, he's had some big big finishes and big events. And uh, he's a guy that probably hasn't fulfilled his potential, I think it's pretty fair to say. Um, that's why he can still get the 100 to 1 number because you think about people like Renato Paratore and people like that, he was kind of thought of in a similar ilk and uh, just hasn't quite got there yet. Yep. Agreed. And again, 25 to one for a place there, you know, I think that's, that's a very fair each way hit that you can look into. So yeah, he he's next up for me. I'll pass it for you. I know we each have a pair of long shots as well this week. Yeah. So my first one is up is Grant Forrest. And this is purely down to the correlative form. He just, he's played well twice in Mauritius, fourth and seventh. He's 10th in Oman. He's been 19th and 27th in Qatar and Saudi respectively. And he also played well. He came second in the in the Andalusia match play um, on a challenge tour as well. And I just think that 
there's too much there to ignore. He's been a steady, he's a guy that makes a lot of shots up with his putter, which is obviously not something that you want to rely on because it means you're not hitting the ball incredibly well, um, which we tend to obviously go the other way, don't we? We look to guys that are great with the irons, great with the, the driver. Um, but he, he's got it in the right places. Um, Mauritius and the mom for me is, is certainly uh, fills me with confidence. I mean, he was 175 to 1 here earlier. I think he's probably 150 now, but that, that's plenty big enough for me. And I think he's he's certainly capable of getting an age man. Yeah. And, and he's kind of just pops up in leaderboards to your point. Um, can take it quite low. Um, the Scottish background. Um, yeah. I think for us, you know, the 61st last week, I don't think is a fair representation of how he really played. He was, you know, top 20 uh, early into the weekend. So um, I'm okay with that. And then the one I'm going to start with is Austin Batista again. Austin Batista opened at 250 to one on 365. That was immediately back down to 175, 150s. Um, I'm okay with any of it. I think 150 plus is very fair. Get that each way, you know, maybe a 40 to one each way if you can. I mean, this kid, unbelievable last week. I mean, to me, I mean, that was all, I mean, of course, Catlin was, you know, unbelievable too, but I mean, I, I just have a special place in my heart for these type of golfers, ones that we roster on the outlaw tour, ones that are grinders on the mini tours, ones that, you know, don't have these spots given to them. They have to earn them. And thankfully sponsor, put them up there and you get inside the top 10 and you're one of the top two. That's not exempt into next week. And that was him and Nikolai Hoyard. And they get those spots and for this week, and that's how you roll with it. That's how Will Zalatoris is literally in the Masters because he took it and ran yeah. with it. And you know that these are the opportunities that these kids can can you know come across of, and it can be life changing. So for him to make two cuts in his two European Tour chances, and one of them be a seventh place finish after opening with a seventy four, I mean to come back and finish like that birdie birdie on I think it was birdie birdie par par to finish to get inside there exactly what he needed I mean he was one stroke away from cashing a 125 to one each way he was 500 to one last week um you know the top 20 was 14s to 18s out there I mean just such a fan of the kid obviously can birdie in bunches um and if it's going to be more of a resort style course probably similar potentially to some things that he might have played here compared to the test he had last week um I love it. So I'm I'm back on Batista. And that was what I was going to say is that he's kind of used to playing these golf courses. That is the, I don't want to say the level on the stand that he plays at because that's just kind of derogatory to what he has been playing. But that's the kind of test that he plays. You know, they talk about even on the Corn Ferry Tour, you play these, you play these events where they're just so low scoring and so wide open that it's kind of just a birdie fest. It's the same with these, you know, outlaw events, same with the mini tour events out, out, on the, out in America and, and the other European tour event that he played in was the South African Open. That was actually at the, the Gary Blair Country Club that you mentioned as well. So, you know, his, his very limited uh, experience in on the European tour um, was brought into one of those golf courses and he finished tied seventh last week. The only the only concern with him that I have that I've kind of got with all of the guys that played last week, right, and it's just a good time to mention it, not him particularly, is that they've now gone from freezing cold temperatures and really, really tough to pretty warm and should be really, really easy. And that's kind of a difficult adjustment to make. And I actually think in his respect, it would be an easier transition for him because he's going back to what he's kind of used to, where some of these guys, mm. they grind out in these colder, harder events all year round and, and the hot, you know, slightly easier events are not what they're accustomed to. And, and some of them, you know, like a John Catlin would prosper in the tougher event and these, his kind of skills would be negated in this type of event, was I think Batista comes to life with. 
I mean, it's why Guido probably didn't go last week. He's just yeah. next level. You know what I mean? He's clever. Yeah, he knows <laughs> what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so who's your final long shot? Matthew Pavon. And this is purely down to the correlative form. Um, 17th, 2nd and 5th in Mauritius. Um, I said to you earlier that Kawamura was second after 36 holes. I was lying. It was, it was Pavon. Um, and then he was tied 11th in Saudi and tied 35th in Qatar as well. And tied 35th in Qatar is his only decent finish really this year. So it just shows that when the golf course suits, if it's, if it's the high winds, if it's the pass pattern greens, if it's the low scoring affair, he just kind of fits that bill. And to me, at 201, he doesn't really, like I said to you last week when you picked Batista, it doesn't have to be an awful lot that you like, right? It just has to be, there's got to be something that, that alludes you to picking him. Those are the correlative forms. Those are the correlative courses. And, and he matches up. So 201, I can certainly see him. I, I don't think there's much win equity there. Um, because he's not shown it so far in his career, but there's no reason to think that you can't catch that uh, each one. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, again, the European tour is a wild one and we see it week in and week out. Um, and that's why I, I don't have qualms with a lot of picks that pretty much anybody has, because the weeks can be wild. You can turn a miscut into a victory like, you know, uh, John Catlin was able to do and, I'm going to go out on a real limb on this next one here. Okay. Yeah. I've spent the last 24 hours translating tweets from Spanish to English, trying to understand who this golfer is. I, that's some of my, like things I do on Sunday, you know, you're enjoying seeing who these invitations are, who are these golfers are guys that I like Samuel Del Val, Scott Fernandez, some of these Spanish guys that are going to get an opportunity here. And I come across a golfer that I've never heard of before guy by the name of Oscar Sanchez. And Oscar Sanchez is uh, 43 years old, not your classic amateur. And you mentioned, do you play club pros? Do you have like familiarity with these? Like, I, I don't know if he's a club pro or not, truthfully. But what I do know is he is the best mid-am in Spain. So he used to pursue professional golf in the past. And now he's came back mid-am. And you can go to his world, um, you know, the world amateur golf ranking page. You can see he's played three events in the last two years, second place in Portugal at the mid-aim there, you know, 16th in the mid-aim European fourth. But if I go dive a little bit deeper, and again, the Grand Canaria Islands aren't, aren't normal Spain, of course, we're at a different part of Spain. So he is a local to the area. And if you type in and, and, and try to tweet and try to find, does he have any connection to this? Well, he does. He actually won an event at this course. It says he made up six strokes over the final three holes to have a brilliant victory at this same course. Awesome. Okay. So then I find that. And then I see just four weeks ago in March, there was another mid-am event. Not, I don't think it was at this course. Again, the translations are very difficult on Twitter. However, he won another mid-am event where he opened with a 65 and then he shot 70 in round two to win by five strokes, six birdies in each round. Again, a thousand to one. You don't have to sign up for all that much. Throw a couple pennies each way and we can have a sweat with our boy Oscar here. So I'm going to be on him for the top 20. You know, this is our, our deep shot of the week. We're getting into seven golfers, but I just couldn't leave off Oscar after all that analysis and time I spent. It was just worth investing at that point. So please go put the paychecks on our boy and we'll have a big week again. See, so last week when you were talking about Austin Batista, I, I, I could follow the logic, right? And this week, you, you put into our group that you were picking Oscar Sanchez. 
Um, and I had to Google him. Right, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to, I had to check him out. Um, and I think, personally, that he'd played on the European Tour in four or five occasions. And he's been terrible. But well, I could be wrong. I mean, at 43 years of age, it's probably the guy that pursued it 20 years ago and didn't make it. But if he wins on this golf course, then why does it matter? He's hey, only got to, he's one. only got to get into the top <laughs> top ten to to really get you excited. Um, look, I'm not ruling anything out. After you put out Batista last week, I'm just going to bet him. Um, if he loses, then then so be it. I'll just bet it to you as an invoice. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And then we'll just send it to Pat, and we'll go full circle. We'll That's be completely it. fine with yeah. it. Right uh, but, okay, <laughs> yes. But uh, run us back down your card one more time, Tom. Yeah, so I've got Kurt Kitayama, I've got Asiro Karamura, I've got Grant Forrest and Matthew Pavon as well. There's some dodgy pronunciations in there. Uh, it is late at night in a, in London, England, or Kent, England, as it may be. And uh, yeah, I, I haven't got the energy to uh, to put them right. Hey, you know what you have the energy to do, though? You got yourself a haircut last week, and you're looking good on our stream. So yeah, shout out you. to you for that yeah. and, and those opening up for you. I know it's been a hard time. So um, I'll run through my card here. Kirk Kitayama, we're both on that. Uh, Garrett Higo, um, and I know those are two of Pat's favorites. So he was fired up when those odds came out for both of those two. So I know he's on those. Guido Migliazzi, 45 to 1. Kawamura with you, 66. Nino Bertazio, 100. Austin Batista, 175. And then Oscar Sanchez, 1,000 to 1 each way. Top 20 for all the monies, folks. This is European Tour picks and bets. And if you want to find the audio format, you can subscribe to that being daily fantasy sports picks and bets. The mix. If you just Google that on any of your podcast platforms, feel free to subscribe, give us a rate and review. Uh, we would love that. And we just really appreciate the support. Another great three weeks stretch ahead of us on the European tour. Thank you, Tom. Where can they find you? Uh, yes. You can find me at Tom Jacobs 93 on Twitter and the lost for words podcast on all your, uh, streaming sites um and if oscar sanchez does win the golf this week then i will get a t-shirt printed with his face on it and we will give it away as a prize in the next show we might need tattoos too so <laughs> we can definitely get tattoos perfect well good luck to everybody this week and cheers